Penguins are looking to get back on track this weekend as they have a back-to-back with two good Atlantic Division opponents. Hunter and I are going to break down that and more on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Damp. You can follow me on Twitter at Synonym4Wet. Joined as always by the illustrious, the one and only Hunter Hodes. You can follow him on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And we thank you for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use lock code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So we deviated from the schedule. Surprise, we're here. We had things to talk about, things to say because even though it was a one nothing loss to the New York Rangers on Wednesday, still a lot of things to discuss here. And I just want to get this out of the way right off the jump. Uh, Hunter is traveling right now for the holiday, so as you can see, his background's a little different. Uh, there may be some technical difficulties. Please bear with us if there is, because sometimes it happens. Hey, it's it's the unspoken uh, occupational hazard of our business of media. Sometimes you run into technical difficulties when you travel. So we appreciate you guys bearing with us if sometimes it gets a little choppy, but we're going to do our best to keep this one on track. So Hunter, I listened to your solo episode yesterday as I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner uh, for all the people who came to visit my place, shout out to all them. I appreciate you guys for at least humoring me and saying I can cook, but uh, different discussion, different day. Uh, so I also wanted to hop on an episode today and talk about the power play because it's time it for is- you to cook, Pat. I said what I needed to say about the power play. I roasted it for nine to 10 minutes. What do you think about that god awful unit right now? Here's where I want to start, okay? And I said this on Twitter, and I got a little bit of pushback, which is understandable because it was right after the game. And regardless, if you're a diehard hockey fan, I say this all the time, if you're listening to a show like ours, you're the 1% of the 1% of hockey fans because you're actively seeking out hockey discourse. You're not tripping, falling into it. Uh, I can't blame it totally on Todd Reardon anymore. I, I just can't. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's blameless because he absolutely is not. When a unit is looking this poorly, it's everybody's fault top to bottom. If I can cross sports here in our fair city, it's the same thing with the Steelers offense. I was a fire Matt Canada guy and I still am and was, and it's a good thing that he was, but it wasn't entirely him. Just like this power play, I don't think it's entirely on Todd Reardon. He has blame. It's it's a big part of it because if you're coaching the unit, you're the de facto leader. So when it's failing, everybody points to you as a problem. Now, the thing I will say, I was in the building on Wednesday night against the Rangers, and I saw all five of those power play opportunities. And I have to blame personnel more than I do coaching right now because the couple of times the second unit came out on the ice, they got into the zone. They got some chances. They did some work on the power play. Was it great? No, we're not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and say flip-flop the units because it wasn't like the second unit came out and 
lit the world on fire. They didn't. They, the sad part of it was the bar is so low right now. They came out and just looked like an average power play and everybody was like, Oh my God, they're crushing it. And no, they're not. But the best way I can describe it is that this top power play unit plays like they are entitled to a goal. They play like they're going to take the ice and the opposition is going to go, Ooh, a lot of talent on that power play. We might as well just quit. They don't skate very hard. There's not a ton of hustle. They don't pick up rebounds. They're apparently allergic to going to the front of the net because even a hundred year old Jonathan quick on the Rangers on Wednesday night looked good. And this goes for five on five as well, but they didn't challenge him. He wasn't screened often. He saw everything that was thrown at him. And there was maybe one or two chances they got where they made him move side to side. And I don't care if you're playing Igor Shesterkin or Jonathan Quick or Casey DeSmith. If you're not going to challenge a goalie, you're probably not going to score. You watch that top unit and nobody got in front of Jonathan Quick to obstruct his view. Nobody was crashing the net during shots. By the end of the game, they were so frustrated. They were just shooting at Rangers forwards. Like everybody was like, oh my, like as much as I can't totally disagree with the shoot it crowd, like by the third period, I was sitting, the people sitting next to me were like, come on, shoot it. And like they got their wish and then they were shooting it right into Rangers defenders. So like this unit can't continue to exist the way it does. And as we saw from just about everybody that covered practice on Thanksgiving morning, Mike Sullivan and Todd Reardon have completely put the power plays in a blender. The top unit at one point in, in on when on Thursday morning was Crosby, Gensel, Hinnestroza, Carlson, Zahorna. And why not? play two literally, but why not? Why not put it in a blender? I have never been a big proponent of splitting up Sidney Crosby and of getting Malkin on the power play. I've always thought it was foolish, but I don't think I've ever seen the power play this bad during their tenure here. So at this point, you kind of honestly have no choice but to experiment with them on their separate units. If it doesn't work, okay, you can put them back and maybe make some other changes to that unit. But I have no problem with that, with them doing that right now. Excuse me. I really agree with everything you said during that, Pat. Just too much perimeter play. The shots that they did take were not good enough. They have not had a strong net front presence since, obviously, Patrick Hornquist left. I think that is a big need for the Penguins right now, but you know those players are very hard to find. They do not grow on trees, my friends. I mean, heck, they had to get Patrick Hornquist, they had to give up James Neal at the time, who was a very good goal scorer. I know he's not that anymore. Obviously, it's been a long time, but he was still one of the best goal scorers in the league at that time. So they're missing that. And overall, it's just a complete failure of a unit. I said during my show on Thursday, when you weren't there and you were busy cooking up your meal, I said it was 60% of the players, 40% of Ty Reardon. Because I do think Reardon has some control over things like the zone entries, who goes out there and whatnot. But I don't think he is telling these people, oh yeah, let's pass it along the perimeter for the full minute and a half to two minutes when both units are out there. Oh, let's take the worst shots imaginable. No, he's not telling them to do that. I think, honestly, the Penguins' top players might be ignoring him a little bit, saying, oh, we're the big guns. We're going to do what we want, and we're not going to listen to you when, when it comes to this. And you're seeing why they probably should be maybe listening to Reardon a little bit more. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Reardon is 
not to blame because I do think he should share some of the blame. And if he got fired, I wouldn't mind it. But it, the bottom of the line is, man, this unit is costing them valuable points and wins in the standings, and it needs to change if this team wants to make the playoffs. I probably said that 5,000 times during my 12-minute show on Thursday. I apologize, but I, I, I'll keep saying it until this unit actually starts showing some progress. Yeah, they have to. And maybe it's just, and this is where we'll end it before we uh, move on here and talk about the back-to-back, but maybe it's a symbolic thing that you fire him. It Just to send the message that, you know what, you guys, almost to the point where you make him a sacrificial lamb and you say, you guys did that. You got him fired. We don't think he's that bad of a coach, but if you guys are going to do this under him, he's gone and it's your fault. And you have to pick it up. And if not, you're gone next. And lastly, before we go here, I said this uh, to a couple people just in person when we were talking hockey on Thanksgiving, because nothing says hockey like American Thanksgiving. But if nothing else at this point, like I say all the time, if Bob Aries cure to everything was to play physical, my cure to everything is to simplify. At this point, change your power play to a basic overload and just shoot the damn puck. Just put somebody in front, overload them at the point of attack, and shoot every chance you get. And if you start building on that, you start scoring goals, you start seeing progress, maybe we go back to an umbrella. Maybe we go back to a more passive kind of catch the mismatch systems. But right now, it ain't working whatsoever. So we're going to leave it there. And Three when for we 31 come back, at home this season on the power play, people. Three for terrible. 31. That's pathetic. <laughs> it's terrible. So we're going to leave it there. We got two games to talk about. They're playing the Sabres tonight. And then an old Kyle Dubas's old friends come to town on Saturday. But first, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, it's that time of year where sun's going down early. It's not coming up that early as well. It's cold outside. You got to clean all the stuff off your car. And with that, maybe you're starting to struggle a little bit with the seasonal blues. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and give you the tools to manage everything going on. If you know me, if you follow me on social media, if you're friends with me, you know I am a huge proponent of therapy. I go to therapy It has done so much for me. It has taught me coping skills to deal with anxiety as well as depression, which I do suffer from. So it has been a net positive in my life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do so at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNHL today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNHL. Excuse me. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNHL. Welcome back, hockey fans, to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp. Joined, as always, by Hunter Hodes on this Surprise Friday episode that we decided to sit down and hit the record button. So, as always, thank you for making us your first listen slash watch of the day. So, tonight, Buffalo Sabres, they're heading up north to good old Buffalo, New York, to take on a 
young and up and coming team that's had its struggles this year, but this could be a, a good get right game for this team because Buffalo has been struggling a little bit as of late uh, overall, but you know, they, they played well against this team before. And I do think that this is a game where you look at what they're bringing to town. Uh, the big news is that uh, Zach Benson is going to play and he's going to stay up with the big club. So congratulations to him, all things considered, because that's uh one pick away, man. He was one pick, one pick away. <laughs> he really was. No, I love Braden Yeager, man. He's off to one heck of a start for his junior team, but I can't lie. I would have been really excited if they got their hands on Zach Benson with how good he's been already for the Sabres. And did you see his first NHL goal? A couple oh, of days ago? It, it was oh, unbelievable. Like gorgeous. The, the goal to be able to do that as a rookie, just to, you know, let's say, you know what, I'm going between the legs and I'm just going to casually score my first goal like that. But yep. This is uh this is a good team and you know they they have like we talked about before uh I think a lot of people including us kind of put this team a little bit further ahead than they were but I always say it with young teams like this and I want to get your thoughts on the Sabres here in a sec is one of the best things about the NHL becoming a young man's game now is that rosters like this don't know how to know any better. It's like you talk about that first goal by Zach Benson. Can you imagine 10 years ago, some rookie trying that, that wasn't a first overall pick? Like they, they just wouldn't. It, 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 the game is at such an incredibly skilled and, and talented era that you see a guy like Zach Benson just come into the NHL that is likely going to get sent back to his junior team, comes in and says, you know what? No, I'm going to have such an impact as a rookie that you're going to be forced to keep me. So uh, again, I think this is going to be another one of those nights where the advantage for the Penguins has to be in net. I agree. You know, Alex Delkovich, he's going to get the start tonight. I think that's what we discussed earlier this week, man, where Delkovich was going to get this one. You go Tristan Jari for the game against the Maple Leafs. A, a much, well, I guess I'll say, it, yeah, a much better team. I, no offense to Buffalo. They've been fine this year, but let's face it, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a much better team than them at this point so far this season. So I have no problem with that goalie schedule for this one, especially Nadelkovich coming off a really strong start against the Vegas Golden Knights this past Sunday, got the shutout and he had one heck of a weekend, I should say down in Wilkes-Barre, obviously then comes up to the Penguins. If he can provide them with strong goaltending in this one, Penguins will obviously have a great chance of winning it, but this will be a Sabres team and no Tage Thompson in this one. That is massive. One of the best goal scorers on the planet, a Penguin killer. He Always scores, it feels like, against the Penguins outside Always. of the game earlier this year where the Sabres were shut out. And, of course, thank you to the Penguins schedule makers for that one because the Sabres had played the night before, so they were a bit tired, I think, coming in. But outside of that one, it feels like he always scores against the Penguins. He's going to be out for a little bit, had six goals, 12 points in 16 games this year. But you always have to be on the lookout for Rasmus Dahlin, one of the best defensemen in the league. He has 16 points in 19 games. J.J. Paterka, really good player for the Sabres this year. Eight goals, 15 points in 19 games. Casey Middlestad has been more of a playmaker this year. 12 of his 15 points are assists. Jeff Skinner's playing well. You got Alex Tuck, Dylan Cousins, all, the, all those good players and such. But for the Penguins to win this game, I honestly want to see them do what they did this last game against the Sabres a, a, a couple of weeks ago, where they did a good job keeping them to the outside. I mean, yeah, the Sabres had 11 high danger chances at five on five, but I don't really feel like when I was at that game that they were all that threatening. And honestly, for the entire game, all situations wise, they only had 11 high danger chances. I will take that any day of the week. So if you can bring that same game plan 
up to Buffalo that you had in Pittsburgh against this same team where you were limiting their chances to the outside, you were winning the battles in the neutral zone, you were winning the special teams battles, and you were getting the edge in that because Pekka Lukanen especially had a big softy in that game from Drew O'Connor, if I remember correctly. You can get that kind of balance, get the good goaltending on your side. I think the Penguins can definitely win this game before coming home to play the Maple Leafs on Saturday night. This is still a really big game for them. Yeah, and Uka Pekalukinen has had a nice little bounce back since then. He's upped his save percentage to 9-11. Uh, he's got a 7-4 or a 4-3-0 uh, record, 4-3-1 OT there. But at the same time, you know, like you said, this is a team that you have to play. They don't have as much depth as it seems just yet because a lot of these guys are still developing. They're still figuring it out. You know, like you said, Rasmus Dahlin, four goals, 12 assists, and 19 games for 16 points. He's looking like the real deal. You still have Owen Power, who looks pretty good. And Jeff Skinner's Jeff Skinner. Like, he he has decided to remember that he's Jeff Skinner again, which is great news for Buffalo. So this isn't going to be an easy one. It, Buffalo is no longer a laughingstock team. They are a team on the come up. And, you know, you look at their record, you look at the standings, and you're like, ah, you know, they're – eight, nine, and two, but they're in a very good division. They have played some fairly good hockey. And like we said, when they played them last month, their biggest issue that they were having was that they couldn't get a save. They could score some goals, but they just couldn't keep them out. So if they start to find some goaltending in Pekka Lukanen or even uh, Devin Levi or yeah, Devin Levi, like maybe this team turns it around. So we'll see, right. but you know, for the Penguins to win this one, they kind of have to do what you said they did last time is just keep this team to the outside. And if they do get a high danger chance, it's got to be a one and done. You can't let them sustain it. You've got to clear the zone. You got to clear the front of the net and you got to keep, you have to keep Nadelkovic not so much sheltered, but you have to keep him in a position where he can make the easy saves. I, I agree. Yeah. You don't want to have to rely on him to make all these high danger chance saves. And, you know, for the high danger chances that he saved against Vegas, he did a really good job on them. But the Penguins, I thought, also did a great job of limiting Vegas's chances in those games. And obviously Vegas, with how potent they are offensively, that's a job well done by the Penguins and their staff. And, of course, that was, you know, five shutouts in 17 games, which is crazy considering the Penguins only had two last year. But I agree with you overall. And it will be Pekka Lukanen in net tonight for the Sabres. It's not going to be Devin Levi. So the Penguins will have another crack at him. They did well against him a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they got that softy past him. Curious to see if they can do that in this one too. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Again, I know I'll keep saying it. I had the Sabres as a playoff team this year. But I think with the record right now, this just goes to show how hard it is to take that next step in the league, man. Yeah. Like, Oh, like this team is, you know, they're coming. They have a lot of young talent. They got some good offensive players, some good players on the back end. They have a young stud in net who looked really good towards the end of last season, but it's so hard to be like, you know what? We're ready to take that big leap and play, I guess, with the big dogs. You know, for example, Detroit, they had that red hot start to the season. Now they've fallen back down to earth again. And it's like, oh, are they ready to take that next step? You know, yeah. Same with, you know, Ottawa, all these couple of these other teams, the Atlantic, you can go to the Western Conference as well. It's just so hard to take that next step. And it's why you've seen the Sabres a little up and down so far this season. They're coming off a 4-3 loss to the Capitals. And the Capitals continue to win, even though their underlying numbers are atrocious. But you know, when you have good goaltending and when Dylan Strome is playing really well, I guess you can get some wins there. Before that, they beat the Blackhawks 3-2. They lost to the Winnipeg Jets, lost to the um, Bruins. 
and then obviously the Penguins. So they are reeling at least a little bit right now, but still, despite that, with how offensively potent the Sabres are, this is going to be a tough game for the Penguins. Yep. And lastly, but not leastly, we learned this morning that Brian Rust will not play tonight, but he has been skating and progressing. We could see him tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll see how that goes, but we're going to talk about that Toronto game right after this. But first we have to tell you about game time. Now I have told this story on the podcast before. It is one of my favorite game stories ever it's when a friend and a friend of mine and i went to a penguins game at the old melon arena we bought a ticket for we bought two tickets from a scalper they worked they scanned and everything turned out they were for a row in a section that did not exist inside that arena so we were kind of left out in the cold but the thing i enjoy about game time is that they have these last minute ticket deals because i've always had friends from out of town come in come into the city they want to go see a penguins game or a pirates game or a steelers game and i've used game time to get those last minute deals and the best part about that is it's not like somebody's going to upcharge you it's not like somebody's going to sell their tickets at a ridiculous price just because you want to get in you can view all the seats in the venue and you find the lowest price guaranteed and that is awesome so they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets they have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event like i said and even if it's that an hour away that it's going to start. It's the place to find those last minute tickets. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more with zone deals. You pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of an 18% savings. And with the game time guarantee, that means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're back here on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this one. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. And, oh boy, a little bit of drama, a little bit of drama on Saturday. The Toronto Maple Leafs are coming to town. Kyle Dubas' old squad. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal, because uh, if you read Chris Johnston's piece today in The Athletic about it. in Pittsburgh, Pat. Let's, let's save the drama for when they go to Toronto, and then you hear the booze for Kyle Dubas. That's going to be the real drama here, people. <laughs> but still, it's, it's going to be a fun game, but continue. But, but if, you, if you read Chris Johnston's piece in The Athletic today, who, if you're not reading his work, I don't know what you're doing. He's fantastic. But it's kind of a ho-hum kind of thing for everybody involved Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs outside of uh, captain John Tavares, who even kind of said, you know, I loved the guy, loved playing for him, loved everything he did, but this is business. You kind of move on. And Kyle Dubas is outside of just a couple of things. Hasn't really talked about the departure from Toronto. So just kind of a fun little narrative that people can talk about, but it's not going to play that big of a deal. If we talk about the team on the ice, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a great hockey team. And I know that they're constantly memed because they can't get it done in the postseason. But at the end of the day, we're not anywhere near the postseason yet. So we're playing a very, very good Toronto Maple Leafs team. But I will say, 
they are starting to have some of the issues the Penguins are having right now. Their top six right now is tremendous. Matthew Nyes is one of the better young players in the NHL. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, just absolutely elite talents. But two of their big acquisitions this offseason haven't exactly panned out all that well yet. And that's Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. Now, it looks like they're starting to get it together. They're starting to find a little bit of a, a rhythm here. But I do think for the Penguins and Maple Leafs right now, out if you if you put age to the side, you're looking at two teams that are very similar in the way they're built. Yeah, man, I agree. And as to your point about, you know, Domi and Pertuzzi, eight and nine points respectively in 17 games for them so far this season. Not good enough, but you you said it. They're starting to wake up at least a little bit. I feel really bad, man, for John Klingberg. He looks like he was placed on LTIR. I don't know if he's going to play again this season. At least that's what Elliot Freeman and a couple of the other insiders are reporting. And that's a shame because I do think he brings quite a bit of offense when he is healthy. It's just his defensive game is not usually there. But this Maple Leafs team, man, they have been quite a bit of fun to watch. You know, Nylander, he's in the Hart Trophy conversation, 27 points in 17 games. Austin Matthews, we all know how good of a goal scorer he is, 14 goals in just 17 games. Mitch Marner has been great. You know what you're getting from John Tavares. You know what you're getting from Morgan Riley. Matthew Nyes has also been good. Heck, Callie Yarncrook is producing this year. He has four goals and nine points. This is a super deep team, even without the Ryan Reeves drama. And yes, I still find it hilarious that they A, signed him, and B, they're just continuing to make a meme out of themselves when they talk about, oh, he wasn't on the ice to be a deterrent and all this stuff. It's like, whatever. I, I find that whole thing absolutely hilarious. But this is still a team that is built to go far in the playoffs. They broke their curse this past season in the playoffs. Now, can they take that next step? Obviously, for the Penguins, got to shut down their top guys. I mean, that's the obvious thing here. But the Maple Leafs, they are just such a lethal team. And I will say again, depth-wise, they're also pretty solid as well. I mean, again, Max Domi's starting to wake up. John Kruk has been pretty decent this year. You got Nick Robertson, the young player. You got David Camp, who was signed over the offseason. Noah Greger. Defensively, you have TJ Brody, who I once thought was one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. He's still pretty decent, not as good as he once was, but I still think he's fairly underrated. You got Jake McCabe there, Mark Giordano, Connor Timmins, and then Annette, you know, Joseph Wool, Ilya Samsonov. I actually thought Joseph Wool was just a regular run-of-the-mill call-up last year, and then I got ratioed by Leafs fans saying, like, he's going to be really good. So I was like, okay, I was probably wrong about that. And so far this season, he has been at least decent. So we all know how tough this game is going to be, especially on the second half of the back-to-back. -back. So the Penguins are going to have to, I think, at least really simplify things if they want to come home with the victory. Yeah, this is going to be another game that we've talked about ad nauseum where they have to be disciplined. They have to be willing to play defense. Otherwise, if they try to make it a track meet, they're going to get absolutely slaughtered. And listen, if I can compliment the Toronto Maple Leafs real quick, and it isn't it isn't really so much of a compliment as it is just something that I think is astounding. Austin Matthews, at this stage of his career, is on a faster goal scoring pace than Alex Ovechkin was. That's scary, man. It, so, it is scary that if if he keeps this up, and obviously it's a big if considering how productive Alex Ovechkin was or has been throughout his career, could he break Alex Ovechkin's goal record at some point? I mean, we, we might have to start asking that question if he keeps producing at this level for the next, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven years, even more than that, because he has been 
as you said, super productive, but keep going. Yeah, it's in. I absolutely outside of, you know, the Ryan Reeves drama, because like I said before, that's the arrested development meme of we're going to sign Ryan Reeves to be yeah. a deterrent. Other I, I should say as well, Alex Ovechkin's record for second most goals of all time. And obviously yeah. wings, he still has the most apologies, you know, you know, as, as the arrested development meme goes, you know, we're going to sign Ryan Reeves to be a deterrent. Other teams have done it. Did it work out for them? No, but it just might work out for us. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is a really good team. Uh, and I do think that the Penguins historically, at least the last couple of years, have struggled against this Toronto Maple Leafs team. So it, between playing a younger team that you can get yourself back on track against tonight in Buffalo, then you can play a legitimate contender in the Atlantic in Toronto. Two games would be really nice to get to get at least a point out of. Uh, one of them, you would like to get two clean wins, but we'll see. So, again, tonight, a little bit of an earlier start because it's a Thanksgiving showdown, uh, 6 p.m. in Buffalo. You can catch that on TNT or Max. used to be HBO Max if you want to watch it on streaming. And then tomorrow night is a Sportsnet Pittsburgh game again. So if you're looking for it there you may and you don't get that channel, you may have to hit the high seas and find it somewhere else. Uh, but – I think that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Uh, we will be back next week. We will recap the weekend and get you ready for the week ahead on Monday. For Hunter Hodes, I am Patrick Damp. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.